Welcome to Business Bits. I'm Nicky Christensen. Here is the third and final instalment of the Matthew Landers podcast series. The following audio recording is intended for business people. It contains mature concepts and adult themes and language. It is not recommended for children. Hi there. Are you already successful in business? Past the startup and into phase two? Already have regular clients and not worried about revenues? Maybe other things worry you. Like what's the medium to long-term future? Which is the shortest way forward that translates to money? Or do you wish you had help with business strategy, innovation, or future-proofing? If you're interested in spending some time with a business person who has executed and implemented almost all of the things you're about to hear, resulting in annual company revenue of $7.2 million a year, then you can relax your mind. Your ears are on the right Business Bits podcast. Get comfortable and please create an environment for success for yourself and turn off any distractions. Welcome to the Business Bits podcast by Nikki Christensen. Imagine you are a florist that doesn't have a well-crafted brand yet because everybody has the ability to do that if they want to. Um, what's the what are the what's the number one thing or the top three things you would say? Okay, this is what I would do. Mm-hmm. Think back to bef- you know. Yeah, absolutely. What what are the top? Because there'll, there'll be some people know. sitting. Yeah, they'll be sitting there going, "What can this. I do?" Go. I already know the answer to this. Something that is on the desktop of my computer and I view it at least every second day is my business plan. Without a business plan, how on earth? Do you create something? You simply cannot. So my business plan is something that I developed in 2011 when I was looking to open my name brand in the shop and it was ambitious. It was also, you know, doubled as like a goal board. It doubled as a a flow chart in the sense of let's go down this direction. If it's not working, we'll go either up here or we'll go down here. So the business plan is something that evolves constantly. It evolves with change and it's something that you have to be accountable to. So for me, I reckon, yeah, at least two or three times a week, I look at my business plan and it's something that's yet easily accessible to me. It's a plan that I've made of where my direction is. In 2015, I exceeded the business plan in terms of I had achieved everything that was on there to that date. When you wrote that? Yeah. Wow. So I had to then sit down and go, great, I almost need to write a new plan. Because what I need is a um, a new way forward. You know, the, the, this business has expanded quicker than I imagined and I had beaten the business plan as such by about two years. So I needed to think, right, well, I've got two years spare. What do you what do with the spare do two in years? spare two years? And again, achieved it. I, in that, because the from 2000, July 2012, from a zero dollar turnover, like, well, you were in debt, remember? Uh, yeah. You started on the credit card. Yeah. I had yeah. My, I had a $10,000 credit card and I had $10,000 cash. I also had a personal um, credit card debt of $50,000 from when I lived overseas. So I needed to be able oh, to pay... Oh, I didn't know about that. Yeah, I only I knew to, about the $10,000 you've told so me. So I needed about. to be able... I've never told anyone that before. Wow. So, yeah, when I returned back from overseas, I had $50,000 credit card debt. Um, and... Yeah, I had a $10,000 credit card to start the business. I had $10,000 in the bank. So the $10,000 in the bank went very quickly on um, paying the bond on the lease, paying the rent in advance and fitting the shop. It went really quick. So then I only had a $10,000 credit card. So I had to make that business work. So then when I put the business plan down, I had to make sure that this was foolproof. You know, how could I do this in such a way that I wasn't going to fail? 
And well, there's no guarantee. There's right? never a guarantee, no. but if you have that doubt in your mind of there's never a guarantee, you won't succeed. You yeah. know, I had to have that invincible mindset like, of like, this is going to work. How could it not work? This is, you know, and that's that's how I had to maintain that mentality in order to grow. So then that was July 2012. And then uh, in October 2015, we hit a million dollar turnover. So from zero to a million in just over three years. Um Oh, sorry, uh, where are we at now? 2018, 2000, yes, 2015, October 2015. So that was a big, I had hoped to hit a million dollar turnover within five years. That was my goal. So then naturally I went, okay, let's do two. <laughs> how can I, how can I do <laughs> Okay, two? I've hit the one, let's do the two. One, let's do two. So then November 2017, we hit $2 million turnover. So for me, that was a huge step of like, because that was my goal. When I got to October in 2017, and I went, wow, I've 2015 rather, I had hit the goals of the business plan. And I thought, right, I need to double it. I'm ambitious. I thought, I can do this. What can I do? What can I implement? All of these things that I had, all these tools that I had and developed, what can I, what can I implement into the business? So I basically rewrote the business plan and I check it so frequently because I'm like, are we on track? If we're not on track, what can we change? If we're not on track, can I get feedback from my team. This is the business plan. This is the this is where we're headed. What would you change? Can you see where we're headed? Like, can you see the future of this? Because if the team that I worked with didn't know where the business was headed, how on earth would I get the motivation and how on earth would I get the traction for the business to succeed? Mm. The key to success were in 2015 to take us to $2 million to get rid of the staff member that maybe not want to come to work. I needed to make some changes. I needed to make some changes to the team. I also reduced our operating expenses. Um, so I had thought in, you know, we obviously expanded so rapidly. I had to have multiple premises. I had to take the academy somewhere. I had to have the retail somewhere else and things like that. And all it did was just add huge expenses. And spread thin, maybe? It's it's filtered me too thin. Because when you have a name brand business, people want to see you. And it's really important to me that people saw me. So then, uh, September, 2015, I had a new premises, um, built you know, so that we could move every single element of our operation into one place, one time. So that was the that was the thing. So at the end of two thousand and fifteen, we moved into one premises. Period. That was it. This is the the MLHQ. This was that a game changer for you? It was because it allowed me to be in one place at one time. The productivity was through the roof because everyone was in the one place at the one time. We were having to call each other across multiple sites. We were all of this changed my operating expenses came down hugely and then it allowed me last year to um also acquire a warehouse so that we could then house all of our excess items excess stock um props all of that sort of thing that you need to have when you're doing large scale um, events and functions and things like that and then that way of course it opened up the hq again so we we decluttered because without that naturally you if you work in a messy environment, you're mm. going to create mess. And that is why I'm so anal in the business about, you know, things on the floor, things on the bench, things on everywhere. Like the shop has to be Michelin star kitchen clean at all times, because if you work in mess, you make mess. So we all have to work in completely clean surfaces, completely clean spaces all the time, because it allows your mind to be completely decluttered and free. So it's just things like this. This is why when I say anyone can do this, it's true. You know, anyone, the amount of florist, I've been that florist. I've had that florist. You know, when we had the kiosk in Perth, 
the, the you know, you, you're talking like a 30 square meter kiosk with, you know, four or five staff, it is tight. Yeah. And you're constantly working knee deep in mess. So, yeah, I really thought, how can I change that? And you think about every luxury, you don't walk into a Givenchy store and see leaves on the floor and, you know, a dirty vase on the wall and things like that. You That's walk true. into a pristine environment. So, yeah. You're, I would t- put a term on that as focus. Mm. So when you consolidated HQ, even when we talk about, okay, we, you, you've moved your prop mm-hmm. handling to a warehouse so it actually frees up yeah. your staff to make sure they hit 100%. those brand marks. Yeah. Would it be unfair to call that focus? Uh, no, it's 100% focus. And that was also at the point where I had reached the goals and the business plan changed in the sense that I rebranded the business. You know, I had a new logo done and I rebranded and I... Which looks super high-end, by the way. Yeah, and that's where I was like, wow, if we've achieved this with what we had, let's now take it next level. So in early 2015, I had actually engaged someone to relaunch the logo and things like that. And it was at that point where I kind of came to there, I was like, right, this is it, this is the time. Now's the time to move into this direction, move into this super high-end placement because we're, we're already here and we need now to solidify that position in the market. And by doing that in one place, it also meant that it's the same as the Louis Vuitton store in Perth, there's one store, period. That's it, you want it, you go there. So that was the same for me. Like my, for Brisbane, my shop would be in about the same spot as Woolloongabba from the city centre mm-hmm. or West End. You know, so it's just just out of the city centre in a really mixed demographic area. There's a lot of wealth, there's a lot of poverty. It's a really mixed bag area, but it's an area of Perth like the Gabba where people identify. There's no one in Perth that doesn't know where we are. Mm-hmm. So it was important for me to remain true to that. It's also where I grew up. So it's... Um, You're very north-south in Perth, aren't you? We are you? very north-south. Like, north north west, like? The west is the really wealthy area of Perth, the western okay. suburbs. It's a really small pocket of, of Perth. The east is just poverty. And then we've got north and south. So, but yeah, I, I felt that by remaining true to me and my, you know, very, very humble beginnings and things like that, I wanted to stay in that area. I know the area super well because I've been there my whole life. So, Fair enough, yeah. yeah. So we were talking about those top three points for a florist going, how would business they... Business plan, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and touching on that business plan, so really I take out of that because the thing that's cost me the most in my business is when I haven't had focus, yeah. I've just burnt money yeah. because I just haven't had the ability just to hone in and almost ninja it, like, mm-hmm. and not even to the level that you have. Even just having a goal board. Yeah. A goal board is so important. How can you how can you tick off goals if they're not written down? And what are you aiming for, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, if you have a goal board, and it's also important for the team to have a goal board, know if if you haven't got a goal board in your back room of you know things that you're going to achieve and that might just be something as simple as use up all the old stuff that's in the storeroom use up all your old stock your vases your dead money that's sitting there that might be on the goal board what an achievement to be able to tick that off you know at the end of mother's day or something like that to be like wow we've used everything in that room because it's a goal it's something you're trying to achieve collectively not just being like oh yeah we'll get to that because you never get to it So yeah, goals, but also accountability. So that's why I always reference the business plan because with the business plan, you're accountable. You can't um, hide the fact that there's a plan in place and you also can't hide the fact if something doesn't get achieved. You have to just be humble and go, cool, that didn't work. How can I change this or evolve this to work? 
what 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 is my customer or my market share telling me that I need to do in this business in order to succeed and move forward, great, I need to apply that to my business plan in order to succeed. Otherwise, I'm just going to be here, you know, um, going around in circles. Because you could work 24 hours a day in a shop and never yeah. be finished, right? Yeah. And I want to too. You know, like I'm desperate to be in my shop. You know, I love it so much that I'm, I'm desperate to get there early in the morning. I'm desperate to stay there late at night, but it's not healthy. It's not healthy to not take yourself away from that. I've seen my own parents' marriage break down from not remembering that they are married. That happened to my parents. Yeah. They worked together. They worked together and, and they just forgot work, they work, were work. married and yep. they just worked themselves apart. So for me, it was very much a case of like, I never want to be that and I never want... So that's why I'm very... My personal life and my business life is very separate and I make time equally for both because it's so important because without that, I wouldn't have you know, personal support in order to be able to do what I'm doing. So You talked about accountability before mm-hmm. and that's a thing, it's why I've got a business coach and they sort of kick me up the ass quite regularly actually yeah. to keep me focused. Who's Matthew Landers accountable to? Myself, because I set myself goals, right? Because people always look at I think sometimes people maybe get the wrong idea because they see, you know, my Insta stories and things like that and I'm constantly buying designer bags and going on luxury holidays and things like that but people also forget the big picture like I don't have kids you know I don't spend money on things that a lot of other people would you know so you know being in a a relationship with my partner and I are both on high incomes with nothing to spend it on effectively so to put that into perspective my goal is constantly related to myself like how can I you know in in my accountability comes back to like I want to be able to buy a new Hermes bag for instance and that bag might be seven thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars or whatever it is and in order to buy that I know that I need to work this hard I need to work this many hours I need to do this and I need to achieve this if that doesn't get achieved I don't get the bag and I get pissed so I'm the accountability because I also, you know, my, my team, you know, are on salaries. So they get their money every week regardless. If I, if we're not having a great week, I don't get my money. You know, like I, I have to just make do. So that's yep. what business is all about. Yep. So for me, it's a case of when the girls have achieved their goals that they also have as well, they get rewarded with things that they wouldn't normally get. Like design handbags and overseas trips and things like that because they would never be able to justify buying that for themselves and the guilty pleasure of being able to have something like that is so warming because you just know that they could never justify spending money on something like that so I would say to most florists most florists would just be like oh no I'm carrying some um, you know strand bag sale item and wearing some, you know, half-off threadbare Miller's frock to work every day. It's like, well, have the goal of, you know, after working your guts out at Mother's Day, you want to be able to go and buy yourself uh, three new outfits, two new pairs of shoes, and design a handbag. So you're working for a goal, and you know how hard you have to work to get that, because without rewarding yourself personally in a non-monetary way, I don't think it... To me, it just doesn't seem achievable because we love things. We're creative people. We love, 
we love creative things. But, but what, you sound like you've nailed it because uh, you say you've got your know, ability to focus on yourself because mm-hmm. you have a little noise and clutter in your life yeah. with you know, kids and a lot of uh-huh. stuff. In. But why do you think as people and business owners, we're so bad at feeling absolute just pure pleasure and achieving and reward? It's almost like we teach our kids, you know, uh, brush your teeth, tuck in, uh, make your bed, and then you'll get a star on the chart. Mm-hmm. But as humans, when we run businesses, we're so good at working our asses off, but we're so bad at rewarding ourselves. Yeah. Why, why do you think that disconnect exists? You got an idea on that? To be honest, I, I think it's... Or is that foreign to you? You go, well, it's just so natural for me. Cause and I, no, I wouldn't say it's natural. It's very much a learned behavior. But I think because I don't have kids and I don't have, you know, a, a child to mentor like that in a way of being like, you know, you do this, you do your chores, you clean up, you brush your teeth, you get a star. Mm. And when you've got 10 stars, I'll take you to get pizza or mm-hmm. whatever the reward is for that child. And people forget that they also need to treat themselves like that. You need to be, because you're making your child accountable. Who's making you accountable? Nobody. You have to make yourself accountable. So you might, and this also comes back to having a goal board. Because if you don't have a goal board, so my goal board, I have a um, 20 square meter walk-in wardrobe in my house and it's on the back door of it every day. So every morning when I go in, I look at it. I shut the door and I look at the goal board. Can I ask what's on there? Um, or is that a private thing? No, I wouldn't say it's private, but there's nothing in the, on there at the moment that's wow. Do you know, it's more personal no, but, goals. Like, yeah, no, but that's, I'm yeah, not so, interested, I'm so generally interested in what is your goal, not... So my goal is all personal goals at the moment. Like, on, on my goal board is like, lose 30 kilos. That'd be <laughs> um, nice. Yeah, I'll well, up for that. Uh, when I gave up smoking years ago, I put on 30 kilos and it's still with me. And lose 30 kilos, um, open second store in Perth. Um, there's a, like Maldives holiday there's you know there's a couple yeah. of yeah just really big goals you know there's also a couple of small goals like um, my one of my dogs needs surgery which is like $10,000 um, it's not urgent but she needs it so it's on there do you know what <laughs> I mean like Ivy needs eyes done you know things like that because it's a it's a goal you know I have to make albeit the fact that yes I do I can facilitate what she needs I also need the time to be there while yep. she's healing and things like that yep. so it's a goal it's like a non-urgent goal so I need to um, I need to see it every day in order to focus because it makes me think about it and without thinking about it I'm never going to actually achieve anything so I think that the first thing that I would recommend to everybody is to create a goal board no matter how small or large the goals are you have to have direction you're not just stuff. talking about the Glitzy house and no, the cars. No, it's either. got nothing to do with that. It's got yeah. everything to do with where, where. Do, it's like when someone says, "Where do you see yourself in three years?" Most people answer is, "I don't know." I can be like, oh, "This is where I see myself." Let's check back in three years. You know, like this yep. is in my. It's not what I say, but in my head, yep. that's what I'm. Yep. That's what I'm answering to myself because I'm very much goal driven, and like every single morning when I come into my business, I go into my office and I plan my day first thing I do I walk in and I go right it's 7 o'clock or whatever time it is what am I going to do on, for, for every hour for the next 8 or 10 or 12 hours or however long I'm going to be there so that I can check back and I can make sure that I get things done prioritise things in order of ASAP to will deal with when can and tick them off because there's no better you know sensation than take, ticking something off going yep yeah, did that did that did that all, all that's done because then it, by doing that, it allows you to shut the shop at the end of the day and walk away from your office with the knowledge that you firstly know what you're doing 
And then secondly, you know what you've got on for the next day. So you are mentally prepared already before you leave to go, cool, yeah, tomorrow I've got a big day. But that's okay, because the door's locked and I've left now and I'm not going to think about work until I get in tomorrow at 7 o'clock. And then I look again and I go, what have I got on for today? Oh, big day. You know, and you know it, like it's okay. But if you don't do those things, if you don't plan your day and you don't plan your business plan and things like that, all that happens is, and I've been this person, you shut the shop and you're constantly fumbling around being like, oh shit, did I forget to do this? Have I done that? Oh my God, I can't believe I forgot to do this. And you're constantly checking your phone, you're still answering emails at ridiculous times, things like that, and it's ridiculous. So without that downtime, you're never going to be productive in your uptime as such when you're actually at work and you want to be productive. So it's important to have that time to switch off. And it's like I have a lunch break every single day at one o'clock regardless of what's going on in my life, I stop. I'm, I'm impressed with that. Because so many business owners don't take the time for themselves just to do that. Yeah. Between 1 and one thirty, I'm unavailable. Don't so talk to Matthew. Don't. It's not, you're unwelcome. It's not, you know, it's, it is my time. Did you I'm just say you're unwelcome? Unwelcome. Did, like you are not welcome to unwelcome to talk to me and let's wow. approach. Because Fantastic. it's very much my time i might be i might call my partner i might you know other yep. things that i have on in life yep. i will do that's non-business related so it's important that my girls also have that time yep. the staff because then that way i come back at 1 30 and i'm good to go i've eaten or whatever i'm doing and yep. i am energized and i can work until nine o'clock at night because i know that i'm again focused and i can but if you just flounder all day long you constant all you do is eat sugar constantly you're fat you feel like shit you don't want to work and you know it's important to stop and you know take a breather like a reset. nourish your body and you know have a clear mind so that you can come back and work properly what you're really saying uh, i'm going to paraphrase this uh, you need to be more selfish mm-hmm. at times my sister-in-law said this to me when i was going through a really tough time in my business because i just wasn't prioritizing myself at all and she said to me you need to be more selfish yeah you need to talk, and you're talking about everyone can carve out 30 minutes a day. Yes, absolutely. This is not about going on a yoga regime or even losing 30 kilos. This is about you can take half an hour for yourself, lunch, have a smoke, look at the tree, yep. meditate, whatever, whatever that is for go you. Go for a walk, go for a yeah. run, you know, yeah. whatever that looks like. Go sit in the coffee shop and have a laugh. Absolutely. Come back. Go and t- if you need longer, take longer. If you need yeah. an hour, you take an hour. You know, everyone's going to be different. It's not, but it's, 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 you must have that time for yourself because without that time for yourself, you have no opportunity at all to plug in and recharge. All you're doing is you're constantly running on empty and when you're running on empty, you are unproductive. It's so proven. You know, I've been that person that just runs on adrenaline, cigarettes and Red Bull 24-7. It's so unproductive. Red Bull's so bad for you. I know. And it's just, you know, I got to the point like 10 years ago where I would start to have heart palpitations during the middle of the day because I'd had like four Red Bulls. And, you know, it's just not healthy. It's not a healthy way of life. And Good, strong espresso is better. <laughs> but florists are known for it. You know, we're already all going to get arthritis, varicose veins, all of these things that come with the industry, carpal tunnel. It's like the more we can do to prevent how we're going to um, actually be in our physical self, the more longevity we have, as well as florists, to be able to work the business. Mm. Mm. You know, touching back on the goal board, where did the, th- the thought of I'm going to start an academy in Adelaide come from? Because I know that's just recently happened for you or this is actually, happening. This actually came through social media as well. This is a really good example because um, I had a number of florists contact me in Perth being like, oh, we're going to come and do some courses with you in Perth because we have a couple of intensive blocks that we run so that interstate people 
like last week we had a, a large scale one which three people from Brisbane who are coming tonight actually came to fantastic and then I started having people from Adelaide and I was like wow there must not really be a huge market in Adelaide in terms of what's available so I started researching what was available in Adelaide for learning you know and for training and it was it was very small it was, it was next to nothing and I thought okay there's a market here so I thought I'm going to test the market and this in July 2016, I thought, right, well, I'm going to go to Adelaide and I'm going to do a demonstration. So I um, went to Adelaide and I did a demonstration just at, at a hotel in North Adelaide. And it was just myself and I had two assistants that came from Perth with me. And we, I just did, you know, a normal, you know, typical demonstration of commercial items that was targeted for florists just as inspiration a bit of fun something they could do in store that's yeah, absolutely just to, something to in, enrich their um you know their outlook on their shop and you know how how i i used mini boxes for instance and i reinvented it with other other elements to make it look did, did you fresher. Me? yeah <laughs> but just things that i knew you know i wasn't trying to show them things that they'd never be able to replicate or walk away from being like, yeah, he was cool, but I didn't actually, I can't actually do anything like that. So all stuff that was completely relevant to our industry. And the only place that I advertised it was on Facebook and Instagram. The only place. And I sold out in one week 150 people that paid over $50 each to come and see me. And I thought, okay. Firstly, my social reach tells me that I can sell out a venue of 150 florists in Adelaide. In Adelaide? In Adelaide. Adelaide's smaller than Brisbane. Adelaide's smaller than Now, we're used to being the small cousin, right? Like, But I also identified, I was just like, wow, I really underestimated my reach, yeah. you know, like to Adelaide. Yeah. I'd also potentially underestimated my self-worth because I thought, oh, they'll either come or they won't. Because okay. I'd had feedback that a relay organisation had hosted a demonstration about three months before, which was in fact free, to their members and they had 16 people come and I thought wow this is going to be hit on this so I thought okay 150 people that have paid 50 plus dollars a ticket to come and see me this is going to be good you know mm. we'll have we'll have mm. a really great time and it allowed me to to spend a huge budget on flowers and we did a really cool demo and things like that so then straight off the back of that I was like well I need to do some workshops in Adelaide so I went back and I did a weekend of two days of um, advanced designs so, like uh, bridal designs and things like that completely fully booked again just with myself and since that time I was like okay this is this potential here for me um, so for me I was just like okay well I can I can't be in two places at once so how am I going to structure this business mm. so for me it was just a case of like well all I need to do is acquire premises and what we can do is just simply schedule in the classes to run at certain times of the year you know quarterly so it means that effectively I can go to Adelaide for you know a week four times a year and we can, with a couple of assistants, and we can do a ton of classes jam-packed into... You know, there'll be people sitting there going, so you're actually going to get your location and have it sitting empty for some of yeah, the time. Absolutely. But that's the focus you've got on your presentation yeah. and brand placement, right? 100%. It also adds to the luxury of the luxury brand. Yes, it does. The fact that it's just a, a premises that can afford to be there. But who would allow themselves to do it? Somebody who understands what they're about. Absolutely. And it's also about not over committing to mm. something. So acknowledging the fact that, you know, if I'm only going to be running four weeks of classes per year, which is going to generate X amount of turnover, which is going to generate X amount of profitability, which means that I can afford to spend this much on the space per year. So I view it that way, over amortized over a year. 
So I'm actually not, you know, making any less than a normal person would because I go, okay, well, this is how much I can afford to spend per year on the space. It can afford to sit there empty for the other eight months of the year. Absolutely fine. Not a problem at all. So it's just about looking, having a more holistic approach to the overall business plan in order to have that confidence to go, yep, yeah, this, this can be done and just not living outside your means. You know, it's a new business, it's a new location, a new business, and it's just has to be treated as such. It can't be like, well, I'm going to open a 200 square meter this and that. And, you know, it's, it's outrageous because it's not within the means of the business. It, it, growth is how you truly build a brand because people like to be on the journey of growth with you. So if I'm going to expand the Adelaide Academy to perhaps one day have a full-time, you know, uh, lecturer or manager or however it looks, I need to grow in Adelaide organically, exactly the same as Perth has done. So, yeah, it's not small. You strike me as a patient person. Am I, am, I right or wrong in that? Um, well, that's, a, that's a tough question because I am impatient when it comes to a lot of things but I am definitely very patient when it comes to goals Like, I, and I'm, you're playing the end game here you're not playing um, the short game absolutely yeah, and I'm realistic I'm not unrealistic about how long things take um, I don't think that fast goals always have long term outcomes um, like I could I could give you a business plan that could make you a lot of money but I don't know how long for is it sustainable exactly right so I think it's more important to to reach for something sustainable rather than, you know, like, it's like when people buy their first house, you might be 30 years old and you might have a 30-year mortgage, you're not going to own it until you're 60. It's a long-term plan. Mm. So I look at the businesses exactly the same as that. It's like, you know, I don't want to work until I'm 60, you know? So where's my exit strategy? How can I, at what point in my business plan on my goal board, can I stop working full-time? Like, how old do I have to be? Is it 40, 50, 55? Like, what's the age? So in order for me to do this, and build sustainable business, like the Adelaide Academy, for instance, I need to have a humble beginning with the academy. I need to, it to live within the means in order for the means to expand so that it is sustainable and it's not, it doesn't just cease to exist in 12 months' time. Mm. In, a, in a past life, I was a mortgage broker with Aussie Home Loans mm-hmm. and I got to know John Simon quite well. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I worked for him yeah, and yeah. had dinners with him. wasn't a mate or anything. And... He was very fixated about if something happened to him or he stopped, basically Aussie Home Loans would stop. And we've seen that because John's, I think he's exited the business now. It's a long time ago. Do you ever have that worry about, I'm building something, I'm building Matthew Landers, mm. you know, capitalising on the success you've already had and I want to take this further. But d- d- when you're lying down at night, do you ever drift your mind and go, what's my, what's my long term here? What's my... I or do. are you like, no, nah, I'm good because you're young enough. It's like, no, nah, I've got no, to no, put 40 do. years in me yet. Don't no, worry no, no, I don't. It's, and it, it can be quite macabre sometimes because you often <laughs> think about... That's a business it. owner, isn't well, it? Well, I said to my partner as well, I was like, if I was to die or if I was to become permanently disabled, would you run the business as a legacy or would you... So you have thought about it. Absolutely. We've discussed it. We have a plan. You know, it's like, yeah. would you run the business as a legacy or would you close the business and, you know, release assets? How would you... What would, How, what would you do? Um, and he has, you know, he decided that he would run the business as a legacy for a year. So it would allow the business to wind down as such in the sense of, you know, we would already have bookings for weddings, we would have bookings for courses, we would have, you know, all things like that. And he would let it run its course. He would do it do it that way. So he would, he would run it as a legacy. But for myself, it's just more a case of... Um, I don't really have an exit strategy in terms of like, if I live a full life and I'm, you know, in my seventies or whatever, will I still have the business? I don't know. 
what's business going to be in 40 years you know I can't tell you it's I can only I only run my business plans for 10 years that's how I that's how I forecast five uh, two years five years and 10 years because I think what I can achieve in 10 years is doable because I've, I've done so much trading in floristry for you know over 15 years I have seen how it cut you know highs and lows so I can securely forecast at least two years then I can securely forecast five years and then I can have goals or plans in place for ten years but when you are building a name brand of business it's difficult because you know Gianni Versace obviously was murdered in mm. 1997 and mm. we're now at 2020 years later 21 years later and the business is stronger than when it was in 1997 mm. under the reign of Donatella so it's it's a matter of like you are you are actually replaceable. You can actually be replaced. Like, they could, like Louis Vuitton is dead, you know, and has been for over a hundred years. Like, how can you, that business is still very, very much alive. So it's just a matter of identifying a brand, creating a brand. And I'm more than comfortable in creating a, a Matthew Lambs brand as such. Who knows, in 10 years time, I might franchise it. What's, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds, you know, but I'm very comfortable in being like, sure, you know, I've sold out my brand and now it's under the creative directorship of such and such. Yeah. Yeah. So big, hairy, audacious goal, BHAGs. Have you heard that terminology before? Mm -hmm. I dare say you would have. Mm -hmm. What's the BHAG for Matthew Landers? I would love to be a household name in Australia. There is no household name when it comes to floristry in Australia. Uh, you have household names like Matt Moran, you know, celebrity chefs, Gordon Ramsay. Every time I fly virgin, Matt Moran's on the bloody... Yeah, thing. you know, and it's like you you have that in so many industries. Why do you want that? Creative industries. I think... Is it a tick of approval? No, or is it's it... not. It's a blue tick on Instagram, that's for sure. <laughs> but it's, um, it's, it's more about... You'd like that, though, I'm, I'm sure. That's, that's, that's what I'm like. Yeah. Um, what drives you? I'm not, I mean that genuinely. I don't mean because that. Because I feel like I have a unique ability to be able to intellectualize some things that other florists can't i feel i have a unique ability sometimes to be able to break down the barrier of language that people wouldn't understand into something that laypersons could understand in, in more laypersons terms and i feel that i would be a good ambassador for this industry because i can speak of a very honest and very humble journey and I, I think that um, this industry is undervalued very, very much. I think the trade itself is undervalued as a skill. I think the florists themselves that are highly skilled professionals undervalue themselves and I'd really like to see it elevated because I think with a, um, a genuine and cohesive elevation of all florists in Australia that deserve it, we would really start to see a huge shift in the market and we would really see people valuing the trade and people valuing the florists and how much we have to bring into retail in Australia and, and creative retail. Um, we're one of the few professions that's creative on demand. Somebody comes in and they say, I want a white and green bouquet and you don't have a white and green bouquet. You're being creative on demand. You're making something conceptual and creative at the time of purchase. Whereas, you know, if you went to commission a piece of art, you might have to come back in three months time for the artwork to actually happen. So I think that I would, yeah, my goal is to develop the all existing social following and my existing contacts and my existing um, means of having a voice and simply just develop it into something that's 
more polished, refined, and something that's more widespread so that more people get to understand. The amount of feedback that I get, even just from Insta stories about certain topics, and people are like, I have no idea. You know, people that aren't florists, I have no idea about that. And even just, you know, being something like making an Insta story like or live video at Flora Holland recently, and all of these non-florists being like, oh wow, this is incredible. I didn't realise that's how it operated. I didn't realise how big it was and things like that. So I just think that I am really shameless in sharing my own story. I have no shame in my, you know, rises and falls. No, no shame at all. And, um, yeah, willing to also be on the journey with with the other side as well. The viewers, what do viewers want to hear? And what can I, what can I bring to that so yeah big right. girls household name <laughs> yeah well that's a very big b-hag my guest today is matthew Lenders. matthew it's been a pleasure having a chat with you i've got to let you go because you're running a demonstration tonight here in oh, brisbane yeah. at christians and flower auction the funny thing is people didn't even know what they were coming to see but they still bought sold Isn't out funny? Yeah. well it's not it's power of brand so, yeah. Yeah. yeah thanks for your time matthew thanks Nick. love it out here. well that's it that's the three pass series done and dusted of the matthew landers podcast series if you're sad that it's over and you want to continue then you've got a couple of options you can head over to matthewlanders.com where you can really delve into what it is that matthew's doing you can even go and do some courses with matthew and get more of him one-on-one trust me it's worth every single minute and dollar that you have put as much as you can because you will learn an absolute truckload if you want to learn uh, other business tips and skill sets from me i offer that in my sessions head on over to nikki christensen that's n-i-c-k-i christensen.com Thanks for listening to the Matthew Lander series. It was my privilege to spend that amount of time with Matthew and I hope that capturing our chat has added some value to you and that you can take that value forward and build a strong and thriving business. Remember, it doesn't matter whether you're a florist really or whether you're in any other industry, you can take the concepts that we've brought up in this podcast series and implement them straight in to your own business. That was another session with Nikki Christensen and the Business Bits Podcast. In case you were wondering, it's called Business Bits by Nikki Christensen because it's business served up in bits. Take away what you want and leave behind the bits you don't. The key is implement what you've learned straight away. If you want more, go to NikkiChristensen.com. It's also where you can get your limited edition Nikki Christensen wristbands. So until next time, remember what Nikki always says, version one is better than version none.